All right, disclaimers. So here's the thing. This is a really good podcast episode. Um, but we talk about Father's Day. We talk about cry room adventures. We talk about the existence of God and whether or not it matters. I reference the Pints with Aquinas podcast. We talk about the Eucharist. And it's just an overall good, good podcast. However, so what had happened was we began recording it. We had the mic all set up. And then we had stopped recording so Robert could go to bed. Uh, and then when we started recording again... I somehow forgot to correct the microphone setting, and so rather than recording on this nice microphone that sounds gorgeous, we recorded off of the MacBook microphone, the the built-in microphone there. So the sound quality is awful, but if you can make it through the sound quality, you're in for one heck of a ride. Um, And if you do, God love you. You're amazing. All right. Um, Here it goes. Hope it's not too bad. Enjoy it. Oh, that's nice. Now, what I like to do and to let you guys know is there's a common misconception that a 12-year-old, any whiskey or bourbon, scotch, well, any of those, which are all kind of the same thing, um, they say, like, there was a guy who told my dad, he's like, I got a 15-year-old bottle of scotch. It's been sitting on that shelf for about five years, so now it's a 20-year-old bottle of scotch. And he's like, that's not how it works. See, the thing is, it's the fact that it's how long it's been in the barrel. So any of you guys who know anything, and I know you do, David, is that's the idea, is is the whiskey itself is clear when they make it right. in, in the still, and then it gets the color from the wood. But unfortunately with scotch, it's actually, they're allowed to color it. They're allowed to, to add caramel color to the scotch. Oh, yeah, wait, what, who's doing that now? Is that a... In Scotland, that's that's what they're that they're allowed. To, like in the states, it's not allowed. Like you can't add color to your whiskey or to your bourbon in the states. They just don't let you do it. Like it, it's for whatever reason we're like purists or whatever. But um, I don't even I don't know about Japanese whiskey whether or not they're allowed to color it. But I know in the states you can't color bourbon or whiskey or anything like that. But Scotland allows you. Wow, you would think it'd be the other way. You think, but no. Hmm. Well, here's to you, Scotland, for making something look good. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell us a little, do you know anything about this scotch? What, what does it mean when it says single malt? Oh, crap. Um, let me think. It's, it's, it's... Doesn't it just mean it's only, it stays in the, it stays in the same barrel, right? Well, there's that, I think, but it's also, um, I think it's not a blend of different grains or something. Oh. It would be nice if I had, if some, only kind we of had some kind of device. <laughs> Single malt scotch is a single malt whiskey made in Scotland. Okay, this is really helpful. (laughs) To be single malt scotch, the whiskey must have been distilled at a single distillery using a pot still 
pot still distil distillation process and made from mash and malt barley. Bottling contains malt whiskey from oh, bottling containing malt whiskey from multiple distilleries is called blended malt. Right. So it was okay. That makes sense. So it's the malt, not the grain. Right. And that makes sense too because Glenlivet is actually a city. Like that's that's a town. And so this is from that town, that one distillery, and it's a really good starter. With it's actually my favorite, my favorite whiskey. Like, is this Scotch? Um, I think it's a good starter. It's kind of, it's kind of clearer. It's not as dark yeah. as, as some, some, which is interesting because they can color it. So I wonder whether or not they do. They, yeah. yeah. Well, with twelve years, it shouldn't be right. It shouldn't be super dark, right? And so this one isn't. It's pretty light, and so. And, and it smells really good. <laughs> yeah. But. And it's smooth. It's very, very smooth. Because livid um, means the smooth flowing one. And oh, and somebody gaelic. looked that up. I sure did. It's on the bottle. Oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> your Gaelic lesson. There's your Gaelic lesson. <laughs> What's it called? Uh. Uh, there's some whiskeys that have that real smoky flavor. Right. And, like, I can take a little smoke, but I can't take too much. Well, it's, some people are really into that. That's what draws them to whiskey. Hey, that's their thing. Some people love IPAs. I, it's not my bag. Right. I can do an IPA. I think people really like the IPAs for the alcohol content, to be honest. I think. Yeah, I understand. Right. But, I mean, like, I've had, like, the Belgium, what's it called? Like, like something like a... Um, what am I, why am I blanking on it? The, the ones with the, like the champagne tops. Champagne tops? Yeah. Belgian beer? Yeah. Like, why can't I think of it? I don't know. What you're talking about? Crap. No, I'll be that idiot. I can't think of it. And there's people yelling at the phone. Probably like, it's this beer, guys. It's this beer. <laughs> oh, I'll think of it later. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But like that stuff, you know, I, yeah, I understand that it's like, whoa, you got to be a man to drink 8%. And it's like, yeah, well, I can get like an 8% and it doesn't have to feel like sandpaper inside my mouth. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Drink what tastes good, people. Drink what tastes good. That's the point. <laughs> so um, how was Father's Day for you, by the way? What did you guys do? Um, it was pretty easy. Um, we went to Mass and we went, we went to the same Mass. Oh, we did. Yes. I walked by you yeah. because Robert was very um, fidgety and he was noticing that he can just yell and he wouldn't whisper. I don't know if he knows how to whisper. Yeah, me too. They don't really know how to whisper. He doesn't. Dad, 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 dad. <laughs> and then he sees Father John, and he knows who Father John is. <laughs> so he goes, John, 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 John. <laughs> Enough that people from like three rows up turn around. So I'm like, you know what? Let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk all the way around. And we walked by the crying room, and I yes. saw you guys. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, so we did that, and then um, speaking of which, some some old guy who was sitting in the cry room by himself, yeah, turned the cry room temperature up to seventy seven degrees during that mass. 
it was insane. I had to walk back over there and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's 77 degrees right now. Like all the kids were sweating, everybody's sweating, but this old man, he was comfortable and asleep. And so I turned it back down to 72. And what's funny is when you say 77, it doesn't seem that hot. But when, but when you're talking about 60 people in a room, that's, that's, that's not really hot. And kids and... <laughs> I always love that because there's sometimes people in the crying room, this is good. Our Catholic listeners will of like course, it. Of course, they'll Yes, the thing I think is funny about the crying room is there's sometimes when the kids are get loud and, mm-hmm. and yell and then there's like some people who are sitting in the back and they're kind of giving the look like Ugh. and it's like you're in the crying right. room it's called the cry room why are you here <laughs> if you're not ready for it like I'm already pissed sometimes when I have to go in the crying room right like oh but and with Isaac I don't know if I'll ever leave the cry room because right. he likes the echo of the of the yeah. sanctuary and because he doesn't understand with his autism he's like Anytime we go into the sanctuary, all he wants to do is hear his voice bounce off the walls. So he yells literally every single time we would go in there. Yeah, he doesn't yell in the crying room too much. because there's no echo. He likes the sound of the echo. That's really what he's chasing. Uh, Yeah. And then if they expand the church, it's still not the echo. (laughs) I know, right? And then Father John wants to do the cry room without any windows. I'm like, oh. Wait, wait, is that his idea? I think so. I I don't know if that's still a thing. So podcast listeners or whatever. Timestamp. (laughs) Pretend like I didn't say anything if that's not a thing. But I think the original plans that um, that were talked about was a cry room, but no windows. Like, like it's just open air. But that doesn't work. I know. Defeat, then why even have a crying room? Right, because it, it should just be extra seating. No, but theologically, like it makes sense to have the the, the children as part of the mass, right? It, yeah. It, and and if if everybody were saints, that would make sense because then like the old people that usually stare you down because your kid is talking or whatever mm-hmm. uh, would be like, oh, that's that's part of this community. You know, that that child who doesn't quite understand what's going on yet is come to worship, and his parents are bringing them to worship, and that's that's a good thing rather than staring the parent down and saying, take that kid out of mass or whatever. Right. Um, and so the idea of the cry room was that you're inside, you're inside the sanctuary, uh, but then like if, you're, if your kid starts to disrupt the, um, the worship of the, the community, <laughs> yeah, the masses, the worship of the community, um, then you should take them out for a brief period, but then come back into the sanctuary. Like, so is the crying room supposed to be a temporary? It's supposed place? to be temporary seating. It's not supposed to be like all the time seating. Uh, that's the idea of the cry room. Because uh, th- theologically and liturgically, the children at baptism, they are part of the community. So they ought to be in the, the sanctuary proper with the, in the nave, so if you want to use the proper terms, in the nave with the rest of the community at worship and not separated or segregated from the rest of the community. Right. Um, but I, I sit in the cry room because A, people aren't all saints. B, right. people don't know that that's the point of the name is that that all community should be there and, and, and there to worship uh, see people don't know that at baptism you're a part of that community and so people don't understand that and then D like everybody looks at me whenever my kid is trying to echo his, his voice as loud as he possibly can against the walls because not everybody knows that Isaac has autism and so it just makes more sense for us to sit inside the cry room against the window in the corner where um, he can he can look at the paintings on the walls and and he can see what's going on if he wants to and and plus with his autism and his 
I do this my way. Yes. <laughs> this is my corner. <laughs> that is his corner. If we <laughs> sit somewhere else. Don't tap the table, but yes. <laughs> you were dead to me, Papa. Yeah. yeah. So um, anybody going to 530 Mass, please save that front right corner of the cry room for the Hall family. <laughs> That's on Saturdays. Yeah, on Saturday, on Saturday night. What did I say? 530. 530. Oh, I didn't but say day. Oh, the, 530, the 530 Saturday night Mass. Oh, at if our you're going At our parish. <laughs> Save that right front corner of the cry room for Isaac because if we're not in that section, he loses his mind. Like Jimmy and I will get there half an hour early to try to get to that section on just a normal weekday or a normal weekend mass or whatever to try and get to that section. Just because if we're not sitting there, Isaac is just completely lost and we're like, oh no, never uh, counting down. I remember when we sat by you guys and Robert will usually sit, you know, stand and look out the window and hang out with your kids. Yeah. Because we'll either sit to the left of your family or behind your family and Robert will somehow inch his way into your family (laughs) and what I think is funny is there's like the one day and he like just sat in like Isaac's chair and I'm like oh no you need a move (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Isaac's very particular about his spaces. Even on the couch, you can't sit in his spot. Like, like if I sit in his, like me as Papa, if I sit in his spot, he will take my hand and pick me up. And then like, he, it's like, Papa, go this way. And he'll move me to where he wants me to sit. And then he'll sit in his spot. Yeah. That's his whole thing. But yeah, we try to sit in the, in the main sanctuary. And like Lisa likes it, and I do too. And usually Robert does okay, but I wish Mass was forty-five minutes long because it's right around then. He's like, okay, I'm good. I've had it. And then what throws him off is when you get up for communion. Oh yeah. And he's like, oh, we're back here. And then it's like, hey, if you chill, we could probably get donuts. And he's like, oh, I guess I can hold on. But the worst one. <laughs> What's when Father Vic is handing out cards for um, family our, mass? Huh? The family mass was it that? It was the family mass. And it was the for Our Lady of Fatima. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. since Our Lady of Fatima, it's the three children, right? So he says, "Oh, all the kids, come on up." Right. So I pick up Robert and I'm like, "Let's go get one of these cards." And we get so first of all, we already went up, received <laughs> communion, came back, <laughs> sat down, stand back up. Then it's time for Fatima. Walk up, go see Father Vicky. He hands Robert the card. Take the card. Get back down, and he is like, "What? <laughs> what just happened? We are <laughs> back in this spot again." Yeah, yeah. I think has the same issue when we go to communion because it's right by the exit door of the crime room, and he's like, "And so he's like, this is it. This is it. We're leaving." And then we turn around and we don't leave. And so close. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, poor Isaac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they don't get... What, what's nice is with, with Joel and Gemma, we've started to do, like, the the number of songs countdown. So, like, at communion... <laughs> like, literally, at communion, Joel's like, how many more songs, Papa? I'm like, two more songs, buddy. Yeah. Two more songs, just hold out. And then he'll count the songs and be like, oh, yeah, now I know communion's done. I count the songs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that's a. Is he okay when there's two communion songs, or do you always count that? I count the second communion, like like the other day, or at Mass on Father's Day, actually. So uh, he asked the question before the Lamb of God. I'm like, 
buddy, there's going to be four songs left. Does he right? count Lamb of God? He does. It's any song. So and that means that... There was, there was Lamb of God, and there was two communion songs, and then the recessional song. And so I told... So be careful, parents. If you like... If you're going to use the song countdown, make sure you make note of the two communion songs, because at just about every single Mass at, at St. Francis, two. there's going to be two, just unless it's in Lent. In Lent, we make it a point to only do one communion song, and then the rest of it is silence. Right. So as long as you're not listening to this podcast during Lent, two communion songs during communion, and then a recessional song. So This is a very St. Francis. It's very St. Francis specific. So <laughs> those people who are... If anybody's going to be listening to it, they're probably... It's probably not. from St. Francis, right. Right. But anyway, how was the rest of your Father's Day? Okay, so after Mass, uh, we got donuts, of course. Of course. And then um, we went home, and then I, I told Lisa, I said, I'm going to go and pick up my dad. And I'm like, and oh, uh, backstory here, um, I was having trouble with his SIM card. And my sister was going to get him a new phone on her plan because he lives with her. And so he had only texting for, I don't know, about a week or so. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like texting him. He's not answering. So I'm like, he's probably asleep. So let's just do this. Robert and I will go drive. You have you have some free time. And we'll go wake up Mo, and that, and that's my dad's name, and go wait for him to get dressed and take our time. So we did that. <laughs> so we go and wake him up, and we're knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and he's like, "Where's Mo? Where's Mo?" And I said, "Come on over here." And we knocked on the window, and there he was. So we got him up, and then we drove to our house, and we just kind of had dinner, made some steaks on the grill. Nice. You know, it was pretty pretty chill. Watched some of the women's soccer game on replay, and um, I found out what's it called that the Fox Deportes Spanish Channel will replay the uh, soccer games, but it's in English. And I'm like, wow! I thought it would have been in Spanish, and then I would have just muted it or something, but. Or I'd probably watch it because it's still fun. And then I would... Then it's I, actually more fun. Yeah, it's more fun. They, yeah. they, the announcers seem more excited. They are very much more excited. What I do like is I think he is... Or no, Fox had one for the Men's World Cup. He is a Spanish-speaking guy speaking in English as if it were a Spanish broadcast. Nice. So he has the accent, but the enthusiasm, the but it's still in English. So I can understand what he's saying and still get the get the passion now he doesn't do enough games that's my problem but and he did some last year's world cup and i was like this is the guy i gotta listen to him every time but um so it's going too far but yeah so we did that but i figured out it's because telemundo has the spanish speaking broadcast rights so if they're going to play the soccer on the spanish fox channel it has to be english speaking interesting at least that's what i figured out 
I cannot confirm or deny, but I'm like 98% sure. <laughs> so yeah, that happened and then I took dad home. And then yesterday, which is like a post Father's Day pre-birthday, because his birthday is the 22nd of June, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. Two days after our anniversary. Right. So it's coming up here pretty good. Yeah, Saturday. But he's, his birthday and Father's Day sometimes are like right, they're always right. next to each other. And my mom's birthday was the 14th of May. So it's always right, was always right by right. Mother's Day. Yeah, Jeevy's birthday is the 10th of May. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah. And then my parents' anniversary was the end of April. So it was like anniversary, mom's birthday, mother's day, dad's birthday, mother's day. That had be easy to remember as a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, I struggled to remember my parents' birthdays as as a kid. Like, I remember my mom's birthday because she'll get mad. Yeah. But my dad's birthday, my dad's birthday is March 13th, and I would, oh, is it 12th? March 12th. Crap. It's March something. March 12th or 13th. I think it's the 12th. And it's definitely the 12th. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> and my mom's is September 27th. But he I can't. never. He won't listen to this because he doesn't have Wi Fi on the bus. <laughs> That's right. Bus. He doesn't have Wi Fi on the bus to his job that he may work for or may not work for. I don't know. Um, he does or does not work at the test site. <laughs> he takes a bus up north. Shh. Don't tell anybody. And I don't think it's the tone of Bob. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so. I would always remember my mom's, but I would have trouble. Tru- I would obviously still have trouble remembering my dad's. Like, I, I remember as a kid trying to consciously remember my sister's birthdays because, like, it was important and I understood that it was important. But I always had struggle trying to remember because they're not they're not that close. Like, anniversary, mom's birthday, dad's birthday. That's really easy. Yeah, that's that'd be helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so for our Father's Day, um, I blew up the the Hall family pool, the, the the little inflatable one, put it in the driveway. I brought out the umbrella from the backyard, the big one, and we just sat out in the pool. Well, mostly the kids. I sat out in the pool. I create. I always create a a, a playlist from Spotify, uh, and so there was, a, there was a, our Spotify playlist going. The kids played in the pool, and I just sat there with a beer in hand and just hung out with the family and listen to music while they played in the pool and it was fun nice what was it and we it was ordered just, it. just you yeah just us yeah. hall Nobody party else. five hall party of five nice yeah yeah, and we ordered um, Papa Murphy's. Um, have you ever had Papa Murphy's pizza? No, I well, no. I it's actually so. pretty decent. So Papa Murphy's, the idea, well, it's a stupid idea, but it's actually pretty decent pizza. So the idea is that you order pizza that's not cooked. Oh, it's prepared. <laughs> it's and prepared, you cook it. and we cook it. Um, but they also don't deliver, so you're supposed to go pick it up. But because Uber Eats, Eats is a thing, we ordered the pizza. They have a Chicago deep dish, which is not really a Chicago Chicago deep dish for true Chicagoans. I don't know how Chicagoans. I don't know how you pronounce it. What Hector, it? if you're listening to this, call me. <laughs> is it Chicagoans or Chicagoans? I don't know. Anyway, Keep going. But, but um, so we ordered pizza, and because Uber Eats, or I think I don't know, Lyft. Uh, whatever whatever we're, it is we're doing a lot of brand names here with no money oh crap <laughs> Uber Eats we're waiting for a sponsorship anyway um, they brought it to us which ended up being cheaper than buying from an actual um, place? Chicago but I was wanting the Chicago oh. deep dish so actual Chicago deep dish pizza place I actually saved five bucks ordering from Papa John's which was Papa Chicago Murphy's. Or Papa Murphy's sorry Papa Murphy's we which was Chicago-esque um, but not quite Chicago Chicago deep dish and so they brought that and I cooked it and it was good 
it's really good. So if you've never had their deep dish pizza, it's, it's pretty decent. They do a good job. I like I I like having deep dish once in a while. Yeah, I'm a bigger fan of deep dish than thin crust. Actually, I don't um, like those people from the East Coast. They like their uh, I, it's New York style or deep yeah. Chicago style. Right. I always hate because I'm from California originally, so it's like I didn't have like oh Chicago's like this and New York's like this, and then you're like what's it, what's it like where you're from, Neil? Well, <laughs> we have off style. They have they have avocado <laughs> and goat cheese on the pizza, so. Just to let you know, <laughs> I don't like talking about pizza in California. Yeah. But you can get good pizza in California, of course. It's just, you can't have like California, I'm doing quotes that you can't see. Air quotes. Okay, let's watch Yeah, here. California pizza is terrible pizza. Uh, let's see what I'm looking at. Chicago in. Chicago in? Chicago in. Chicago in. Right Where there. Chicago in. It's Chicago in. Okay, Chicago in. There you Boom. go. Your your word for the day. Yeah. Chicago word. in. That's what we teach. We you. should have a word for the day. That would be fun on our podcast. Today's word is Chicago in. Somebody who hails from Chicago. Right. Hector is a Chicago in. He hails from Chicago. C H I I don't know. I'm not gonna try. C H I C O with an A and a G. Wait, are we spelling Chicago with an A and a G in between? Alright, well, I was never my forte. What are we supposed to be talking about today, Neil? Well, we were supposed to talk about the existence of God. Alright, how's that going? Well, wow, wow, we've been talking for Holy a crap, we've been, I'm going to have to edit most of this stuff out. Well, well, well. Yeah, so there you go. The existence of God. That's what we're talking about today. I primarily wanted to ask the question of whether or not the existence of God matters. And I think that that's an important question um, because I think some people will say like, yeah, God exists or no, God doesn't exist. or, And I think there's a larger group of people that say that it doesn't actually matter whether or not God exists. I think most of our teens fall into that category of that it doesn't actually matter whether or not God exists because their con- conception of God is that, okay, so what, maybe God does exist. If God does exist and he's perfectly good, as the church says, then I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good person therefore then i'll probably go to heaven and so it actually doesn't matter that god exists or whether or not i believe in him because i live my life pretty good anyway right and so therefore i will go to heaven right and that's most people's conception of whether or not god exists um but my my experience of the existence of god and and maybe you could speak to this too is that when i realized that god was real like when i came to that that intellectual realization that god was real that radically affected my life like i, I came to the 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 conclusion that if things exist then it is inevitable that god has to exist uh and that realization made me be like oh my goodness if if there is an all-powerful god trying to seek my attention then i owe it to that being to give it my attention right that was that was my response and so i dove in head first into everything like like christian like i was listening to christian radio and and secular or not secular um uh, Protestant uh, Bible teachings and Catholic Bible teachings, all kinds of stuff. Like I was everywhere that God could be found. And um, yeah. What about you? Not that. Not that. No, not really. But it's because what? Well, yeah, I guess. 
I guess when you were bringing that up too, like, does it matter if he exists? If you look at it the one way where it's like, with the belief is there with God creating everything and everything happens because God like deems it or whatnot, then of course you'd have to say it matters that it exists or nothing would exist. But if, but let's not think of it that way because then it's, <clears throat> then it's too much. Like it's all, all dependent on it. you right. So, but then if you look at it more, it's like, does God, does it matter that God exists to me on a personal level or something like that? And if you're talking about that's the way the teens kind of look at it. Right. Like, oh, he probably does. So, you know, but I don't, I, I don't know, too, because it's just like I had another thought that I was thinking of when you were talking, but then I lost it because I was paying attention to you. So. That's okay. Don't pay attention to me. Just think about what you're going to say before you Because it's it. ruining our content. Edit <laughs> this out. But um, it's... Yeah, but I don't know. It's like um, I could see on how people could be like, oh, it really doesn't matter. But then there's like the other kids where it's like, I feel like some of them, like when we're teaching them about sin and stuff like that, I think they take it so hard. Like there was a kid in my class this year who was just like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go to hell because I've done these things and it's like well calm down and then I feel like I'm doing the thing where you're saying that you're not happy that the kids are not they're too blase about it because I'm almost like oh come on dude you know we don't even know if Hitler's going to hell for sure how do I know that you're going to hell you're cool it's like what am I doing I'm just trying to make him feel better I guess or maybe it's because he sounds too defeatist or something but now I'm trying to where were we going with that with the God is um... <laughs> whether or not it matters or not because um, I, th- I think that th- that particular team's experience is a typical experience uh-huh. is this idea of that like well I've done all these terrible things therefore I'm destined for hell or right he was very set up with the destined that it's going to be like that like if there's no you know I mean he's 15 or something and it's like yep it's all over right. and it's like well, you could be twice your age and you only be 30 right so I mean there's a lot of good things you can still do if you already feel like you're destined and then like you're saying yeah the other kids they just be like oh whatever if it's there it's there if it's not it's not I don't feel like it's gonna affect me in my day ah now I remember one of the things I was gonna think of is um I feel like there's sometimes where it's like if you don't even I mean if you don't even look at it like in the the all-powerful God or something and it's like it doesn't matter that he exists and to me sometimes I feel like if it's just that person let's say that you can turn to and you don't have that person that it's like for for like um like if you go see uh, a counselor or a, or a psychiatrist or something like that it's like you almost need sometimes when things get bad in life something there so, I mean, if we're just going to boil it down, it's like, I don't know how people who don't believe in God can get through tough times because even if God is this almighty placebo that it's just like, here's this hope, please pray for hope. Please pray that something better will happen. It does inspire you to keep going. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't want to like, yeah. 
but I don't know how some people can do that if there is no God because it's like any times that I've had real tough times in my life one of the first you know the first things I do is like I need to pray about this or something like that even when I'm not even in a very I don't know, like in times in my life when I wasn't very, you know, connected with God, I didn't, it wasn't like uh, I need to pray about everything kind of mood where some people get or I've been in the past. But in other times like that, it's like, this is terrible. It's way beyond what I can handle right now. I need to turn to somebody for this. And it's easy to go to God because you can work it out. And even if you're just working it out in your head, I don't know how you could just do that if you don't have that. You know what I mean? Right. Do I sound? No, that makes that makes sense. Like I think that's a lot. That's a, my my experience in in difficult situations is actually the opposite. Like God is often not the forefront of my mind whenever bad things happen. And I don't. And don't get me wrong too. That I don't just be like, well, God is this awesome safety net. Right. <laughs> but I think that's a, that's a common like like or, experience of God is that this this idea of like, oh God, help me out of this. If you'll only do this, then I will go ahead and believe in you or whatever right I think that's a and I know for our teenagers that's a a massive experience like God if I can pass this test God if this only if this person will just like me or whatever then um, then then I'll believe in you or whatever that's 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 the experience I think that that is that is the common experience of of God's existence Um, but I don't think that that's enough see because if if God is is real in the way that we believe that he is real and please be real in the way that we believe he is real right then then God desires relationship I remember um, this this weird relationship that I had like in freshman year of high school and this was a really weird relationship like I remember this girl I was in science class and she was just staring at me it was the weirdest thing and I could hear her talk for a fr- to her friend about about me like she was talking to her friend about me which was weird and then um, after after class or whatever or she she was just staring at me through the whole class and afterwards she was she wanted to talk to me and she wanted to date me or whatever right that was the whole thing like she wanted she wanted to to be with me in some kind of way right is it really (laughs) it was weird anyway um so i i because because that girl was interested in me i became interested in her not because of not because i was particularly attracted to her or because that we ran in the same friend circle but because she was interested in me that drew me to her and then I actually because she was only because she was interested and so I actually dated her for like a couple of months or whatever and um it was weird. Uh, this was my freshman year of high school. I never really dated anybody. I, like I dated people. Like I dated a girl in middle school. Middle school like, dating doesn't. But count. doesn't count. That's middle school dating. Right, right. Like the like the, that was junior high relationships. Exactly. Used to call it. Exactly. And so uh, we dated for like a couple of months or whatever. And I actually, I I actually don't remember her name because I'm a terrible person. <laughs> uh, but then then we broke up um, because she just was mad different from what I was looking for in a girl um, but but the idea of her pursuing me her her looking at me was intriguing to me right and but if, if we extrapolate that to like the idea that if we believe in God and God exists then that means he literally willed you into existence and that he literally desires that you exist because if he for one second 
didn't desire your existence, then you just wouldn't exist. There would be no meal to speak of. I mean, it's 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 tantamount to that girl staring at me in, in science class, like, but but in less of a carnal way, more of like a perfect love way. God is constantly staring at you, you know, waiting for you to meet his gaze, waiting for you to catch that he's staring at you. And that's that's God's existence for me is that like. Here's the thing, like St. Thomas More, uh, St. Thomas More, St. Thomas Aquinas um, actually didn't believe that um, the existence of God was a matter of faith. He thought that it was a matter of fact, which I agree with him. I think that um, the existence of God is demonstrable. I think you can look at the fact that um, that there are things that exist that, um, for example, like you're a contingent being, right? Like contingent meaning that you your existence relies on the fact that something else exists, right? Uh-huh. So if you're a contingent being, then um, you're not responsible for your own existence, right? Right. So because a contingent being cannot exist prior to itself, that's a that's a contradiction in terms. So in order for in order for anything to exist, there has to be at least one non-contingent reality, uh-huh. right? Um, and, and that's a, that's a basic argument. Like we can go into deeper philosophical arguments, and and I think that those are kind of cool. But there's this really good podcast that you could that you could actually look up. Like it's called Pints, Pints with Aquinas, and they go over Aquinas's five proofs, which are brilliant, brilliant proofs. Each of them are metaphysical proofs of the existence of God. Like the existence of God is demonstrable in throughout reason, like as it is. Like you, you even look at the Catechism. The Catechism of the Church says that the, the existence of God is um, is self-evident. You can come to natural reason to know that God exists without having to defer to some kind of miraculous revelation or anything like that. It's very clear that, that there is a God. But then to to come to the realization that there is a God and then to realize that that God is looking at you and desires you into being, that desires, that, that thinks it's good that you exist, that's a whole new reality. Like, I have to explore that. Like, even with this girl that was in my freshman year of high school that looked at me and was staring at me through this class or whatever, I had to explore that. Like, I had to see, like... Um, Am I of value to this person because of whatever reason? Uh, do I have value in this person? Um, and it happened to be because of her. Like um, the only reason why I had any value was she thought I was attractive or whatever. But the fact that we exist means that an all-powerful, perfect God desire that we exist and has nothing to do with whether or not we're attractive or not. Just actually desires that we exist and loves us in our existence. And that to me is wildly fantastic. And wild and I think that's what's makes what makes it so difficult for many people to believe in God is that um, he would desire that you exist in this wild and fantastic way. Um, you can't see that. Right. You can't see that. You can't measure that. And most of our experience of people desiring us is very surface level or very weak or, or very, very incomplete. Or very, I want to say, like selfish of that other person. They want me for something. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Very much like uh, like Aristotle says that there's like three different types of friendships, right? There's the, there's the friendship of pleasure, this idea that you're providing something that I like mm-hmm. and therefore I will enter into a relationship with you for that thing that I like. But once you start to displease me, um, then you're then you're rejected out of my life. Or this idea of um, friendship from utility, like we're both after the same end, like we're together, working together, we do well. For example, like you think of Starbucks and Target, right? Mm-hmm. Like because they, they enter into relationship with one another for mutual beneficiary. Like if, if there's a Starbucks inside of Target, then people might go to the Starbucks that's in there and um, and end up staying a little bit longer inside that store. And the longer you stay in Target, I'm like, you know, the longer yeah. you stay in Target, the more you get. You're going to spend a lot of money. That's why I don't like going. And then finally, was his, going. <laughs> exactly. Finally was the, um, was the friendship for the sake of the other because you exist i want to be friends with you i will the good that of you that you exist right that's that's the deepest and most affectionate level of friendship and the idea that god has that level of friendship like the idea that he's not looking for us for anything for himself because god needs nothing of himself god uh he's not looking for us for for pleasure because god is perfectly good and beautiful and loving he doesn't need anything of us at all in pleasure Um, but that god wills our good desires our good regardless of whatever we do with our lives that's a radical idea and difficult for people to swallow i think i need to fill this up (laughs) drink some more scotch Scotch, 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 scotch. Okay. Um, so it's, I think it's something like, I remember eighth grade health class. And you're seeing all the different things that the body does. And then it's like, you look at it and part of you is like, oh, I guess we're not magical bags of meat doing things. I mean, you know that you are bones and stuff, but you're like, guy, every little thing has every little purpose and one relies on the other. You need those electrical things from the brain to make the muscles move the bones to do the thing and the blood has to move from here to there and bring the oxygen from the lungs and the lungs breathe it, you know, and then goes in and out of the heart. And it's like, holy smokes, there's all these different pieces and stuff. And then it's like, I guess when I was like, guy, you know, you thought it was the magical bags of meat. And it's like, oh, well, that was God just moving us like puppets, you know, or something. And then it's like, but this is more like science. Like this has a purpose or blah, 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 blah. So I guess. So then for like, you know, a little bit, I was like, oh, I guess it's, you know, I like kind of. I don't want to say like strain my belief in God, but I like then it's like. I don't know if it was the same day or even like the same week where I'm like, oh, no, wait a second. It's like a machine. Look at how a train works where you have to put the what's it called? The the coal in and then that moves the the not just the wheels, but the things that move the wheels. What are those things? The big sticks, the rails. I don't know. No, the rails are what they're right. Oh, that's right. Whatever, whatever, the, whatever the, the, the things that connect the wheels together. Yes. Yeah. Are those rods? I don't know. But they go back and forth and that sure moves do. the wheel and then the wheel moves the train and all that stuff. But the reason that happens is because some engineer 
<laughs> Not the engineer that drives the train, the engineer that designed the train. The train. Right. <laughs> it's final end. Yes. So came up with the way that that worked. Why well, I pick an engineer and train, that's funny. But um so then it's more like, oh man, it's not magical meat puppets that God created. It's more the fact that God created like machines, biological machines, and every little piece has something to do. So it's more that, um, what is that divine, what's that theory of the, um, the design? Everything was built on it. Intelligent design? That's it. Okay. Right. That's the, that's the uh, St. Thomas Aquinas' f- fifth proof is that because things have a final end, only only an intelligence designer can give something its final end. Like um, the only reason why um, a uh, cop or a teapot exists is to make tea. Therefore, well, it, sorry, it, teapots are really just serve tea. A tea kettle makes the well, tea. teacup, <laughs> tea kettle, whatever. Tea kettle. No, I'm sorry, just being a jerk. <laughs> the reason why a tea kettle exists is because somebody made it to make a tea and then um and so that person is is the creator of the final end if you have a final end the only thing that can give you a final end is an intelligent design right so for example your train analogy is the the engineer designed the train towards the final end of motion right Just yeah to move things to move things to point products a. whatever yeah to point a to point b yeah so that's that's great in the in the like higher intellectual thought of the existence of God, right? But does that actually matter? Like to to me personally, right? Say? Right. We'll in, see in that experience as, as you as what was that eighth grade Neil or whatever? Yeah, yeah eighth grade Neil experiencing um, that you know somebody had to design this train in order to move things from point A to point e, B because it has some kind of final end some kind of direction that it's moving <laughs> was that meaningful in any kind of way or it may be more meaningful like we get back down to the intelligent part you know using the head and thinking like that meant something of the fact that well maybe it was the fact that at first it shook my not maybe not faith but maybe where you like you go like, oh, now people who don't believe in God, this is where you see why they don't believe in it. Or maybe this is proof that it's not. And then it's more like, then when I thought about it harder, it was proof that it did. And it's like, so that kind of had meaning that it's like, it gave me more, you know, of the logical proof, you know, like we were talking about, like using my um, reason, because, you know not all this is done just on faith alone or whatnot but that was the thing was you think about all these things that matter or not matter like matter itself i guess but i mean like you know like we're talking about the intelligent design and the fact that earth is just at this temperature and we live in earth at just at these temperatures and everything pretty much living needs water on earth and guess what we got a crap load of water and it's like it all works out so well and it's just dumb to think that with the craziness of space that all this just happened to fall apart this way so you're starting to use all that with your head like that's my proof of god thinking it right back to your point of does it matter to me well that's all here in my heart where i have a belief in god 
because of how I don't want to just say like how it makes me feel, but it's the emotional part with that where I have felt God in that way. And that's like where the faith part comes through. Like uh, <clears throat> we didn't do this this year in class, but I've done it in the past when I teach the Eucharist and stuff where I show that it's one of the things that it's like it's the least head part to me in like one of the face because it's like it makes almost no sense that the the thing that looks like a you know it, it looks we, like bread tastes like bread but it doesn't but see that's the other thing too as a it kid it doesn't look it doesn't or taste like, like bread, bread. <laughs> so first of all you're already lying like a cracker <laughs> yeah first of all you're already lying to me saying it's bread and then i'm like and then when i taste it it's not bread it doesn't even taste like bread so at least if you took bread and used a cookie cutter right you know maybe at a what's it called what, uh, holy spirit right well i went i went on base and and on base like they, they literally made unleavened bread it wasn't it wasn't like the little communion wafer that you guys are used right, to with the, the thicker little, yeah the thicker like unleavened bread type deal right so so that's the first thing and then when we beat into the second grader's head that this goes from this bread to jesus a hundred percent switch and then you're like uh and then the point too <laughs> that they don't we don't teach well in these classes sometimes is is it's like oh yeah but guess what there's no bread left at all right it is right. all jesus and, the essence and, is gone. and then you're like yeah but they don't teach the essence and accents which we can dive into more later but it's the fact of they don't explain yeah it's still gonna have the physical attributes of the quote-unquote bread but its spiritual essence is gonna change is if that if i heard that then i would have been much better because even in high school my cousin you would have grasped that in high school oh in high school yeah more really to me the way i looked at it is when i found out about consubstantiation it made more sense to me right because someone told me that this went from bread to jesus and i said that can't go because it's still bread but when i found out consubstantiation meant it was both bread and And jesus Jesus. and i said well well that makes more sense because what it is is jesus is the creamy part of the oreo (laughs) if you think about it if you have the the jelly center of the donut is the jesus part I'm all for that because if you're telling me that there's Jesus in that bread, but it's still bread, I could believe it. And at that point in high school, my cousin Matthew and I were sitting out in the back and I said, I think we need to be Anglicans. Right. Or Lutheran because that consubstantiation is easier to grasp. Yeah, yeah. But Lutheran's not close close enough to Catholic. So I said (laughs) Anglican slash Episcopal is like 98% Catholic, but a big switch is this. So I think we can handle this. So we don't have to stray too far. Because they got some sacraments. So we got some sacraments. More than three sacraments, so we're okay. We're okay. Our last name's Whitney. It's pretty English. Church of England. I'm good with that. So we sat there, and I think even in our 20s, Matt said to me, I thought we were Anglican now. Didn't we deem that we were? Like we filled out paperwork or anything. We just said it in the backyard one day. But it was later in a confirmation retreat I was helping out on i was probably about 2021 
and Father Romeo, who was a priest in our in our diocese, put on the retreat, and he was talking about the essence of the pencil. I probably have told this to you before, but and and it was like it's still the essence, no matter how this pencil looks if you burn it up and it's all black ash with just the lead inside and blah 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 it's still the essence is still pencil no matter what it looks like and I know you and I have done the thing a whole right. thing on potatoes you had to be there but <laughs> with essence but like once he said something like that I'm like oh that's what they mean it's the outside doesn't matter it's what's inside that counts that's funny that sounds like an after school special but <laughs> it was the fact that I sat there and realized that it's the spiritual essence of the bread is not there it's the essence is Jesus. Jesus so once they like in the busted halo video where they say well we shouldn't be it's not transformation it's transubstantiation right so when you say it like that and I don't think it's taught well enough it's not because the thing is is people don't understand Aristotelian philosophy and we don't we don't have the scope of being able to do Aristotelian philosophy in this podcast no but like um, there are ten categories like there's nine categories categories of accidents and then the one category of essence what that essence actually is like to, to, to get the idea of essences like can you imagine a unicorn in your head yes do unicorns exist no right therefore unicorns have an, an essence but not any accidents right a, a unicorn doesn't actually have an existence therefore it can't have any properties of existence yeah you can't touch a unicorn exactly therefore a unicorn has an essence but no accidents right so in the Eucharist there are accidents that look like bread and wine and all these other properties that you understand with bread and wine um, that all remain the same but the essence the reality is what actually changes that's why we call it transubstantiation and not consubstantiation because in consubstantiation it's the it's the essence of Christ with con with the um, uh, bread and the wine but right. in transubstantiation the essence of bread and wine is actually completely gone and only the only thing that remains is Christ which right. is radical and just un, unthinkable and in John chapter 6 the reason why people actually leave Jesus uh, company the reason why the disciples leave is because of teaching on the Eucharist mm -hmm. he says you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to, to remain to be in the kingdom of God in order to be right. accepted by God and, and all these people leave and yet Peter and the, the 12 remain saying that to whom else should we go you have the words of eternal life like the Eucharist is the experience of of God the intimacy of God that is just infathomable like the way the, the God that breathes stars into existence wants us to be able to hold him in his hand in our own hands and receive him into ourselves like mm -hmm. like he wants his life to enter into our lives that's crazy right that's the point I'm trying to make with this whole thing is I try to teach it that it's crazy and it's the hardest thing to take your head and kind of wrap around because if you think of anything in a logical sense or something like that it it doesn't it doesn't make sense right so to me when I try to teach that and I'm like the reason why the Eucharist means so much to me itself is here the heart rather than here the head because my head self says that doesn't work but the heart self says it does why because of the way I am 
when I either receive communion or have gone to adoration. And the reason I feel that way, the way I have a calming feeling, the way I feel like God is really listening, the way that I felt, you know, like like a comfort when things were tough at a mass once. Any of those things where it's like it's all my own personal you know, emotional, spiritual relationship with Christ at that moment of either receiving Eucharist or adoration. That's the point what gives me the belief in that. And it's all like, that's the thing where I point out that it's like, this is the big point of faith. And that's how I can relate to it is the fact that it hits me like that. And I can't just say it's in the head because it doesn't work that way, like we were talking about. So to believe that essences can switch, it's hard to do when you're just thinking of it logically. Right. And that's why that gives that meaning and stuff like that. That's why God has me like has meaning. So that's why it matters that he exists to me because I need that person that I feel, you know, feel is real or can do those things or will be there, you know, and not just like I was saying, kind of like uh, people can use it as a safety net or the almighty genie. It's just like, you know, to grant wishes, but it's that way that I feel like there's, you know, like we're talking about purpose or something like, like there's something going on or like, I don't know, it's, you know, it's important. And I feel it, you know, like we were talking about, you can picture it in your head where it makes sense, but like in the heart, that's why it matters. Cause it's like, I can understand why certain things happen in real life with my head. And I'm like, well, I really don't care about that because it has no meaning on me. Right. But this matters. Like if you're watching news stories and you're hearing, oh, they invented this thing that helps, you know, agriculture as well. Or you think of your wedding, right? Like yeah. the, your wedding experience had a, a significant tone to it. Not not just because of the event that was happening, but because of what actually happened to you internally. Mm-hmm. Like you you realize that this wedding meant that you are going to love this person and be with this person for the rest of your life. That's that's at least the theory of marriage. That, mm-hmm. That's that's the idea. And so you have this profound bond, and anything that broke that would have like literally showered shattered your world. Like the idea of divorce at, at, on the wedding day is unthinkable. Right. Right. It's it's just it's just unfathomable that that anything would break that reality because that reality is so ingrained within you in that moment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not getting divorced because Lisa said so. So if my body is missing. <laughs> That's in lieu of divorce. Oh, and sense. I'll tell you who probably was. It was Lisa. <laughs> Everybody look out. <laughs> Does, did Lisa listen to her? Probably. I mean, in reality, she probably did, doesn't listen to any of this. No, no, she's not going to listen. No. <laughs> there's nothing I don't say anyway. Right, right. But I don't know. And then there's the other thing, too, where I go back to the placebo part, where... I, you know, I have the faith that all that's real, but I still have that point in my head, which sits there and says, is this little cracker, the Jesus placebo that now I feel good because right. I was on a retreat and I received communion and then I just bust up crying. Was it because already my emotions were already in a heightened state and now I got this placebo that's going to make me do that? The idea that God comes, yes, 
Uh, yes, exactly. And a powerful rushing wind in the Pentecost room, right? That's this moving wind that, that, that distorted or disrupted the life of the apostles. But he also comes and more intimately comes in that still small voice of the mountaintop, that, that's, that peacefulness. Like after the resurrection, when Jesus appears to people, the first thing that he says is peace be with you. Right. And it's always this, this calmness, this, this, not this elaborate, um, you must feel this incredible yeah. emotion. Yeah. Not a fanfare. No, it's always this quiet and, and silent and just, just peaceful moment of God entering into our lives. And that's, that's intimacy. Like you think about it with your own marriage, right? Like you might have your, your experience of the wedding day, right? And the, and the wedding day, you have this, this glorious celebration. I don't know, but like, like I was at your wedding, it was super exciting. Like uh, you weren't at my wedding, but we didn't know each other back right. then. But, but back then, like 10 years ago, when Jimmy and I got married, like it was this huge celebration. But I remember the most, most perfect and most intimate part was after that big old party, when we got into the, to the, um, we got into the limo and it was just her and I and we were driving to Bellagio for the first time as husband and wife to spend the, the night together and it was beautiful and it was simple and it was perfect and it was quiet there was there was no loud DJ no lights no fog no none of that stuff existed it was just us and the quiet and the stillness and the intimacy of, of the, the two of us like like sharing a moment together and that was cool like that was that was greater than the big party party that we had you know you see what i'm saying yeah like that and that's the idea of this uh that's uh, like receiving communion right the idea the difference between like adoration like where everybody's experiencing christ all together music and singing exactly and then this songs (laughs) exactly for some people to express their tongue and 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 the intimate quiet still small voice of christ in communion that's beautiful. Nothing can replace that moment of, of just just receiving Christ, the God of the universe, in your hands and receiving his life into yours and to joining your lives together. Like that's private. <clears throat> that's 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 communion. That's togetherness. That's a good way to end it. That's a great way to end it. That's a good <laughs> All right. All right. How, how should we end this? Well, um, I would say that actually that's pretty good. So um, as you figure it out, we uh, solve the existence of God right there. Um, uh, there we, will be ways to do feedback, I guess. If David sets it up. At some point, yeah. yeah. We'll set it up. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes, which will be created at some point. I don't know how to do that, but I'll figure it out. Um, we could talk about if you think we're full of crap or if you really agree with us. Right. And we should have a Facebook. Yeah, we should. Oh, dang it. 
or our website or something. See, this is where we would um, where we would say, "Hey, you can catch us on Facebook at Facebook." Or we could do a tag at the very end that we record like way later than this. It's true. (laughs) Or something. So you know, I would say something like that, and then I'm always. I think it'd be cool if we're open to other suggestions or things that people want to talk about. Yeah, and then we could do that. But um, our wives just showed up from their um, bis. Um, Bis is blessed is she. It's a woman's group. Yes, and they are. Um, it's not heretical, so don't worry. Right. I hope. And I know it's not. I'm watching. And, uh, yeah, David's watching. And I'm like, oh, you're not just sitting around drinking wine and pretending you're reading books, right? But <laughs> So they're back. So it's a good time. So we will uh, sign out. And I don't know. Do we have a real sign out? Yet? We don't have a real sign out. All right. Well, amen and God bless. So <laughs> amen and God bless. All right, guys. All Thanks. right. Talk to you next time. Bye. Cue the music. Great news, everybody. We now have a way for you to join the conversation through our website and through our social media. You can find us on Fireside at our host website. Of course, we are one of the billion podcasts that's being hosted and and put out through Fireside. So you can find us there at awpodcast.fireside.fm. That's awpodcast.fireside.fm. You can also catch us on social media. Right now, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. You can just search at Among Wolves Pod. That's at Among Wolves Pod, and you'll find us there. Um, oh, also, we have some news for this weekend. Neil and I are hitting the road. We're headed out to Steubenville, San Diego for a retreat out there with a bunch of teens and young adults. Uh, so pray for us while we're there. We're going to do some recording while on the road and do some um, talk a little bit after each one of the sessions or in the evening times when everybody goes to bed. And we just wanted to share that experience with you guys, and um, hopefully it'll be good. Pray for us while we're out there. We will definitely be praying for you. And thank you so much for listening. We really enjoy doing this. We hope you enjoy what we're putting out. We'll see you next week. God bless. Bye.